Hello, and welcome to the Ecom Source Podcast. My name is Andy Solhoff. I'm here with my friend and business partner, Tim McDougal. Tim, how are you today? I'm doing great. Awesome. Awesome. Well, uh, we got a great topic on deck for you here. You know, we're just getting off of Prime Day. We don't have official data yet, so we can't see total sessions. But what we do have is a great discussion as we've led up to Prime Day every year. We always talk about pricing and discount and promotion, and it always leads to some good topics. So what we're talking about today is sucker's game or core tactic price promotion in e-commerce yeah so we get to be we're the 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 prime day wet blankets sometimes prime day is great i mean prime day can be a huge tool but usually when our partners want to talk about price promotion it's usually in the context of hey prime day is coming up let's get our, let's do something for prime day do we need to do something for prime day or not and our usual response is well let's talk about overall what do we want to do with promotions what do we want price promotions to do strategically for us. And that then determines how we approach Prime Day or how we approach Black Friday or the big, big holidays. And I think, Andy, one of the big takeaways, and this way, we're the wet blankets on it to some extent because we don't want to talk about what do we do for Prime Day. We want, we want to talk in more general terms about, okay, what do we want price promotions to do for us so we're not just being knee-jerk reacting to it. Let's talk strategy first. That's often a much more interesting conversation, to be honest. But the first reaction of like, let's get strategy set first before we talk about Prime Day. That's usually, you know, the, we get people that are really excited that I got to jump in Prime Day. It's like, are you jumping in for the, what do you want to jump in and do? Because there's multiple ways to approach it. And what do you want to get out of it? It's not just, I want to do Prime Day because FOMO and I need to be there and everybody else is talking about Prime Day. Yeah. And I think that's where, you know, and especially I think Prime Day promotions open up in what, March? April they had to be submitted by April. Yeah, it's pretty early. You got, you got it. So it's another reason why it should be strategic, right? You got to decide in March what you're going to be doing in July. And all inventory was had to be at the Amazon fulfillment centers by I think June 15th. I think was yeah, the, it was it was for the deadline. So they're about a month ahead of time, which you know isn't isn't usually too big of a of an issue. But uh, yeah, I think that's like you you mentioned Tim. Like historically we have not done a ton of prime day promotions uh and i think as we were talking about before uh we got on the podcast is that there's probably a set of you know circumstances where prime day discounts make a lot of sense and there's some circumstances where they don't and i think that's always you know a good lead in to your overarching promotional strategy and pricing strategy and if you haven't really thought through how your product profitability by product mix and skew and things like that, yeah. those are those are the the places really to start. And I want to say we haven't it, the reason we haven't done as a you know as a group with all of our partners haven't done a ton of Prime Day promotions is not because we're against Prime Day. I don't think it's a good deal. It can be a great thing for a brand. Uh, the reason is more because a lot of our partners are uh, you know small to medium size, so they're growing. There's not the idea of of I'm going to invest a lot in this promotion and it's going to pay off through repeat purchase over the next 12 months is something that causes a bit of, uh, there's a resistance to that a lot of times when you kind of talk about the realities of how it works. Or in some cases, we have partners that do a lot of volume, but their margins are are tight, mm-hmm. right? So in the historic past of Amazon requiring, you know, you really had to get not the not last year, maybe not this year, but in prior years, it was you had to get down to like a fifty percent discount to make a dent. Um, that was just too steep a bet to make, oftentimes. Yep. Um, and and you know, there's a sea of other people doing so. You may go down this deep and not get anybody's attention except the people who are going to buy normally. But that's oh, I think one of the other things we want to talk about, though, Andy, is we've seen last year. We want to see what this year's comes out at, but last year the overall reports, uh, the kind of postmortems on Prime Day were that discounts, there was a lot of people participating, but discounts weren't as steep. So you were seeing a lot in the 20 to 30% range, not everything in the 50% range. And this year, we're recording this like right after Prime Day has finished up. So we don't have any data at this point other than it was the largest Prime Day ever is what Amazon said. Um, They released that with no numbers around it. But I didn't see the Big, I saw lots of 20 to 35% discounts. I didn't see much in the way of big 50% drops other than on things that I would never think about buying in the first place anyway. But. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I saw some, 
there was one of, uh, of our, our clients I was looking in and they had, there was uh, three groups of products they have, you know, if I took out the top 10 to 15 sellers, there was about a third of them had a prime day discount in that 20 to 30% off, nothing more than 30%. Yeah. There was a group that had, and I think these were primarily Amazon vendor products that were in that five to 8% off. They were less than 10% of a discount. And then there was another third of uh, products or brands that had no prime day discount at all. They didn't do any uh, prime discount. They didn't do any coupons. They didn't do any uh, sale pricing. There was, it was sort of business as usual for, yeah. for those brands. And that was a, it was interesting to see, but like you said, I, in previous years, I do remember we saw a lot of 40 to 50% off. And I think Steeper that's discounts. what, yeah. that's what has, has, you know, historically, you know, kept us away from this, but it was good to see this year that brands were being a little more reasonable with their discounting. And yeah, I think it's a healthier environment when you don't have to go to 50 to take part, to partake in this. Yep. Yeah. And I should also say for the partners that we didn't do deep, just deep prime day discounts for some of them, some of them just discounted on the day of just, Hey, last second, let's just put a discount on the page and they saw some lift. Uh, but generally everything we work on saw, saw lift. It's not like we're not participating in it. If we're not doing a discount, we're always making sure ad budgets are raised for that day um, because we know there's going to be extra traffic going through and that traffic is going to be in a mindset to convert. And so the value of any session you can get, there's going to be tons of extra people there and the value of any session you can get on your listing is going to be higher because the conversion rates go way up. People are in a mood to buy. So I think looking through, I haven't looked through every account that we touch, but the lowest I saw was like a 70% lift. Um, maybe 60% lift and the highest was like a 200% lift. So three X what they normally would do without, without doing any deep discounts, just because of extra traffic and extra conversion, extra high conversion rates. So it's not like we don't participate with those brands. They did get pretty decent lift, but yeah, we, we don't have the, Hey, we were up 10 X, 20 X, 30 X because we did a deep discount on prime day for a mm-hmm. lot of products. Although a few did this year. So, um, be interesting once the dust settles to kind of see what all the numbers are on, on those. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So one quick thing, Tim, I know we have, we got our facts here. I wanted to touch in, take a, just a quick breather and uh, do some Amazon facts here for you. So the average American spends how many dollars on Amazon each month? What do you think that number is? I I was I was gonna cheat and look these up in advance because I saw them on the notes, but no I decided not to cheat. So I am gonna look totally stupid on my answer on here. Hey, I'm gonna say the average the average American spends seventy five dollars on Amazon a month. How far off am I? You're you're pretty close. It is ninety one dollars and seventy five cents. Ah, okay. The average American. How about the average non Prime Amazon Prime member? How much did they spend I think per it's month? More like one sixty five, one seventy in that range. On the non-prime or the prime? On the, I'm sorry. On the, I was thinking the prime. The, I'm sorry. The non-prime is around thirty bucks, thirty to forty bucks, probably. Yeah. Yep. Thirty-eight dollars, which means the prime members spend on average a hundred and ten dollars per month. Hundred ten. Okay. I was so. It's it's an interesting thing because uh, I don't know. I'm uh, you know looking at my neighbors and I'm seeing a bunch of boxes on the on the uh, front porch today. So I'm you know I'm guessing that Prime Day for Amazon is a, is a great place to, for them as their customer acquisition strategy to get some more dollars through their yes. doors. Now, do you have uh, porch bandits in your neighborhood? Is there any uh, problems with that? Not recently. There have been in previous holiday seasons. I know it's, it's been an issue, but, uh, we got some, we got some, uh, neighborhood watch people that are pretty, pretty on top of it. So, um, and then a couple of other things. What, what is the state with the highest average monthly Amazon spend? What do you think it is? And how much do you think they spend per month? Oh, so you're getting deep on this. I clearly, mm-hmm. I, I'm going to guess California. How much? And I'm going to guess uh, $160 per month. It is actually Tennessee. Well, I never only, would have gotten that. Only $124. So the... Okay. The... Uh, sort of distribution, you know, averages aren't that, makes aren't sense. that far If the off, average is 91 high, across the country, then yeah, that makes sense. On the yep. there. I was too high. So, so we are we are in Iowa, and Iowa spends, they are the, we are the fourth highest spending at $113 per month per Amazon, uh, actually per, 
Uh, Does this have to do with not many shopping malls around you? Is that what it has to do with? You know what? I, it could be a rural thing. Uh, although the lowest on average, what do you think it is? What state do you think it is? I'm totally, I'm going to, I'll guess, uh, I have no idea. I'll guess West, Connecticut. West Virginia. Okay. At $56 per month. They're almost half of the American average in West Virginia. Minnesota's at $68. So, I, you know, maybe Minnesota's Go got figure. that Target, the Target tie-in, mm-hmm. so people aren't as uh, Amazon-friendly. That's more possible. more Target penetration there. Yeah, so I, so. I feel dumb on answering these, but I'm also looking at our Google Doc, which is our show notes, and you're signed on anonymously, Andy, so you're signed on as anonymous Dumbo Octopus on my end. Oh, that's funny. So that makes me feel better about getting these answers wrong that I'm, I'm you know. I'm the anonymous Dumbo Octopus. Dumbo okay. Octopus is, yeah. You know, and I think... I don't know why, but I thought that was, those numbers were a good sort of context for people to understand. Like the average American is spending about a hundred bucks a month on Amazon, and so when you think about your Prime Day promotion or your your just Amazon, you know, approach, uh, you know, how do you fit into that? Right? Like, I, I would I would be interested to see if Amazon will release this. Is how much does that? Uh, change for Americans on Prime Day? Like how much the is the average, you know, are they going to $120 on, on Prime Day? Are we, are we, you know? So Andy, did you, this is what I want to, did you buy anything on Prime Day? Yes. We bought, I bought a couple of things on Prime Day. My wife's birthday is coming up. So I bought a couple of things, but All right, I wasn't, yeah, I don't know. What about you? You got Prime Day? I, I did not. I put house? a bunch of things in the cart. I, I looked at a bunch of things, especially looked at a lot of the, the Amazon devices because we have a lot of those in our home. But most of those we've gotten in the past, so didn't need any more Echoes, didn't need any more of that stuff. We we just at the end, I was fine with what we had. I, I didn't need to buy anything else, so yep. I passed. And I'll yeah. probably regret it later when I'm buying gifts for people. But we've kind of gotten through most people's birthdays in our in our family. So yeah, I just I held back. I'll look for other sales. Yeah. Yep. Uh- It'll be interesting. Uh, like I say, I, I don't know how much additional people are going to spend on Prime Day, but it's good to know, like, okay, if people are only going to spend $100, and even if they bump up and make, you know, one additional purchase or two additional purchases, maybe, you know, on on Prime Day products, uh, you're still not talking about a huge dollar amount. So it's good to keep into keep that into perspective is just, you know, if you're expecting to, uh, I mean, the volume comes from the number of people that are jumping into the market on Prime Day. It's not because each individual person, I think, is all of a sudden spending two, three hundred dollars additional. It's they're they're finding a deal of something that they need, and that's. Although as soon as you say that, there's going to be people saying, "Wait, wait! I went and bought. I saved up all my purchasing and bought a bunch of stuff and spent two or three hundred dollars on Prime Day." There's a I've been talking with all of our partners this week. Did they buy anything? And most of them bought a lot of stuff on Prime. Really? Yes. You no know, one it, said, it I put does... a ton of stuff on my cart, more than I could afford. And in the end, I, at 11.30, before Prime Day shut off, she pulled the trigger on everything that was in her cart. Bought yeah. the whole cart. Like, you know, YOLO, going to buy the whole yeah. cart. Going to go get it. So I think there there was a lot of, I mean, and most of our partners, because of what we do and what we, you know, they're on Amazon a lot, just like we are. And I think they saw a lot of deals and yep. picked up some stuff. So let's, let's get into this for brands, right? What, what should brands do? What should your promotional strategy be? Um, and, and again, this is where the first part of the conversations is usually, Hey, should we do something big for prime day? And then our response is, well, let's talk about what overall we want to get out of promotions. Let's talk about that as a strategy first. Um, and that, and there's not a one size fits all and not trying to sound wishy-washy on that. There's a ton of gurus who will tell you this is the exact plan that every brand should do. And that's completely bad advice because, you know, some brands have high margins, some have low, some are totally reliant on one-time purchases. Some are totally reliant on repeats. Um, you know, some are, have huge well-known brand names and ton of organic traffic and some don't and need to get it. So there's a, there's a huge difference in what situation your brand is in and what you should be doing. And you need to think through um, what your strategy for price promotion is going to be. And where we get in the conversations a lot is where people are taking very binary views on this, um, where it's either 
you know, let's discount a ton and then, you know, screw the profits. We'll make the money on the back end. Somehow we don't know how, but we're going to do it. Or I never want to price promote because they've done it in the past, maybe, and didn't see the long-term benefits from it. Saw margins go down. And we usually start, I mean, I don't know when I, when I work with people on this, Andy, a lot of times it's the, it's a very, we'll often have, we had one this week, right? Where one of the people running the business was, I never want to price promote price promotion is a sucker's game. It's, it's dumb. It just erodes your profits. And the other person was no, unless we do price promotions, we really acquire customers at way too slow a rate. We need, we need price promotions to get Pete, to get sales going at times. And mm-hmm they were kind of at war over it in a friendly way, but that was kind of what our meetings were about this week was, okay, let's, let's talk about this. Let's get, let's get it on more rational ground. Both of you are like in opposite corners of the ring right now. Price promotion is a tactic. It should be in your toolbox. How you use that tool is going to differ based on what your situation is. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, that's the toughest part is uh, applying the right approach to the right events and, I think, like we've talked about, there's probably, you know, three to maybe four different events, depending on your brand, that are these opportunities like a Prime Day, or if you have a Mother's Day or back to school product or things like that, where your pricing strategy is hyper essential or focused on, right? And I think coming up with, you know, what, how you're going to approach that these few times of the year is something that needs to be discussed, I think, annually at a minimum, uh, mostly from inventory planning uh, perspective, understanding what inventory you have uh, on hand and what your price is and how long those you've had those units and things like that. There's a bunch of different things that play into it, but I think this is, this is a great Well, there are those big topic. windows, right? Yeah. But, but I'd also look at it and say, you know, what do you do? Because sometimes you're doing things between those windows. Mm-hmm. Um, that and you got to talk about that. Like, if repeat, uh, if repeat customers are important to you, then it's important to look at. Hey, this person bought from us, and they haven't bought in six months, and maybe we know from the repeat cycle on our product that that's longer than they should go. And yeah. at that point, you're not waiting for a big holiday. Your price promotion strategy is: Hey, we're going to offer some kind of deal to get them back in. They may have drifted from the brand. We want to we want to reacquire them. So I think yeah. it's important to look at in the overall sense of what you want to do, and then and then you then you apply into the big the big holiday promotions and the big, the big sales promotions. Right. But you, yeah, and- but you may have things that are running outside those windows that are important based on what your strategy is or, you, yeah. you know, we need new customers on a steady drip and we're always going to have this one bundle. That's a new customer bundle. And we're always going to be advertising behind that, promoting that because that's a, that's a major acquisition tool year round for us. Right. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's specific to new customers. It's not something that people are going to purchase once they're really into the brand. It may be a really small sample size version of it. Um, but what are the things, what, what are your goals with price promotion? And cause they can be what, there's not a right or wrong. It's what do you want to achieve? And then what do you want to do during the year? And then how do the big holidays fit into that? How do they support what your strategy is? Yeah. And you, you make a really good point on, you know, repeats versus new. And I was just having this conversation with, uh, one of our partners last week, uh, there we, we've been doing great on new customer acquisition. So it's not, uh, you know, we're probably up 65, 70% on new customers this year over previous year, which is phenomenal. And repeat purchases have been down to, you know, uh, almost flat and, uh, repeat dollars this year are actually down. We've, we've launched some lower price, uh, products for customer acquisition, but it's hurt our dollars in the door from repeat customers. And so we're trying to figure out, okay, uh, how at what point do we go after our existing customer base and try to get them back in the door to make an, another purchase because you know we're we're sales are growing but our but you need frequency of yep yeah, so the repeats are where you get your profit so you know your first that first acquisition is usually you know once you count the cost to acquire a customer and any discount you're getting to get into that first purchase your first acquisition a lot of times in a lot of a lot of business models is not profitable. It's how to get the repeats. And I, I would argue that these big holiday promotions, Prime Day and Black Friday, are, are often more trial-based. And Black Friday is very gifting-based too, right? But there's there's often a lot more trial going on there, and those are more trial-focused than they are repeat-focused. And if your goal is repeats, 
then just focusing on the holidays, on the big holidays, you're going to miss some things on that. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of important to talk overall. Like, and, and there's different strategies, right? So there's there's different things you can be trying to get. It's not just new customers or repeats. So you know, some of the things you could be trying to get are uh, when you try and discuss what you're, what do you want out of holidays, um, right? It's are you trying to gain new trial? We talked about that. Are you trying to build repeat behavior from prior customers? That's another tactic. Are you trying to just clear out slow moving inventory is another reason to price promote, right? We haven't even talked touch on that, but that's really important too. Sometimes you just gotta you gotta get cash flow out of those and turn those back in. Are you trying to take slow moving parts of your lineup and get them to have a better flow? Like, you know, we have these we have 30 products and these five never get any trial. We don't think people know about them, so we want to try and boost them up. Um, are we trying to steal share? Are we trying to increase the average order value? There's different there's different things you can try and accomplish. Each one has kind of different tools you can bring to bear. And it's really important to decide. And, and again, it's not final. You can always change your mind. But what are you trying to get done with a price promotion is really important to say up front. Do you have a, a, a sense? I mean, so we, slow moving inventory or clear out stock. Like, I think my general take on those is like, okay, if you've got product that's been sitting in your warehouse for a year or more, those types of things would be generally... A, a good thing to promote to help improve your cash flow on those. But any other thoughts on how we would utilize some of those different, how we would recommend our clients in some of those different scenarios that you just mentioned, Tim? Yeah, we'll usually say, hey, let's, you know, let's first you run the analytics and you see what the situation is. If it's, hey, they just haven't gotten, we run advertising, but those products aren't include, aren't, don't get a lot of impressions, right? First try that. If the issue may just, be that they don't get enough exposure. Um, and so we'll look at that first. If they're getting exposure and not converting, then it's a, okay, what's, what do you think the issue is? Is the issue price? Is the issue that our listing sucks? <laughs> is the issue that the product's just not a good product? Um, you know, So you could try price there, a smaller price discount, see if that gets in the mood. It's getting traffic, but it's not converting. What if we drop the price by 10%, 20%? What happens? And then at the end, if it's just one of those, hey, we can drop the price down. We got a lot of eyeballs on it. We've dropped the price down. The listing solid, but it's not moving. It's more of a, you know, might not just be that desirable project. And that at some point you can say, hey, let's just liquidate it. Let's just mm-hmm. get whatever cash we can get out of it. Let's free up the inventory. Let's let's turn that, you know, sitting inventory into some kind of cash flow and do something with it. We always try everything first before we liquidate because that's kind of a last step, and you don't get as much money out of that. But at least you get something you can move on. Yeah, uh, and Amazon has some options on it. There's Overstock.com. There's all kinds of other things that are out there for liquidating uh, or just doing clearance. But yeah, usually it's a advertising attention. You know, do we have impressions? Do we have eyeballs on it? And then can we discount to a level at least gets it to move for a little bit so we can see what happens? You know, is there a price point we can find that that works? And then yeah, then there's the last ditch options of, hey guys, you know, we've made this super cheap. We have eyeballs on it. It looks good, but nobody's buying. Yeah. Hopefully you don't have yeah. any of those, but that happens at times, right? Yeah. Tell me about like instances where you think where stealing a share is something that we would like, I mean, what? Stealing, share, what I think stealing share comes in big if you're larger, right? So if you're large and have significant share in a category, and so you can't grow the category anymore, you're not going to get, uh, you're not going to get new buyers in the category. If you're going to get somebody, you have to take them from another brand. Um, mm-hmm. Because you're kind of you're kind of at this you know your category is mature a lot of times when you're stealing share, um, so the cu- the number of customers there's not new customers coming into the category everybody that's in there is already in there, and then you're talking about okay do you price versus your competition do you run specific offers saying you do this that your competition doesn't, um, then you're running things that are you're very much watching what they're doing and trying to either counter or just cut under them or you're trying to do certain things to switch people at that point. And that's different from just trying to get flat out new people who may not have thought of, like for our like grown ass man company, shampoo bars, right? Shampoo bars aren't a category that's maxed out. That category is growing. It's kind of fun to see it grow, but we can acquire new users without stealing them from somebody else who makes shampoo bars at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, we're just kind of building up new customers there. Uh, if it's a mature category, you're not bringing in new people. You're trying to, and and to some extent, yeah, we're trying to steal share from liquid shampoos, right? On that, mm-hmm. but that's not the play we're usually making. Um, it, it, the play we're usually making is just, hey, come try this new thing out. This is different from the thing you've been using. 
But yeah, a lot of times if we're working with uh, larger companies or big brands, if you're working at a Procter & Gamble kind of brand, a lot of times it is about how do we steal share? Um, mm-hmm. You know, the market size is only going to grow or decrease. It's going to grow as the population grows, but it's, you're not, you know, you've only got so many usages a year um, for this. And so the way we got to grow is steal share. So we've got to be directly competitive. And, um, you know, Procter was famous for that about saying, we're going to have one brand that focuses on one advantage, one different consumer benefit. And we're just going to have more products than everybody. So we're going to have one brand that's a, the, the old classic one from the 60s and 70s, right? Was we're going to make one detergent that's all about whitening. We're going to make one detergent that's all about you can wash in cold temperatures so you won't bleed your stuff. We're going to make one detergent that's, a, you know, that's about stain removal. And we're going to, so we're going to have, and we're going to focus like lasers on that one advantage that one detergent has and just dominate the shelf. And we're going to steal share that way. And that is, mm-hmm. you know, there, you get into tactics like that that are a lot, a lot about product design, sometimes about pricing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. In beer, when I was in that, a lot of times it's, hey, we're going we're gonna to win the, uh, we're going to win the center aisle promotion, the big stack. We're going to offer the retailer a, you know, a better deal than the other guys and we're going to just steal a lot of share during that holiday when we have that stack because we know whoever has that stack gets more sales. And yep. we're going to try and steal it that way and we're going to hope that when uh, nobody, when we don't have the stack that they come back to us because they liked it. And mm-hmm. so you're looking at share steel and, and doing things like that. Yeah. Yeah. I was, it's like to pick your brain on some of that because, you know, I think some people may, I don't know, some people are more or less aggressive on, on quote unquote, stealing a share, like trying to, trying to, you know, capture from, from other folks. And I get what you're saying on, uh, you know, for bigger sellers, this seems to be, um, a bigger deal, but you know, even if, if you're a top 10 seller, you're trying to steal share from number one. You um, are, um, and you're always stealing share in some way, right? You can always frame it that way, but, um, at a certain size and scale, it becomes the only way you grow is to steal share. Mm-hmm. And so you're not, um, you're not adding uses or convince people to buy this product type more often, which you can do at a, at a lower level. Um, mm-hmm. But at a certain level, it's like there are, you know, your buy-ins are max. Let's talk more about, though, the, here's the specific things that a lot of, like, our partners tend to focus on. So let's go on, you know, if you're trying to gain new trial, like, what are the tactics and, and what do you want to see change? Like, what are the metrics you want to see at the end of the day there, right? So if you're trying to get new trial, which is usually how people start the promotional conversation on that, um, one of the things that gets... This this is going to sound really remedial for somebody who's doing a lot of price promotion, but for somebody who hasn't, um, you know, one of the first things you got to consider is, well, how do people find out about the offer? You're going to make an offer. You're going to make a, you're going to price promote to try and get new trial. You got to find a way to tell people because they're not your current customers. And mm-hmm. that usually requires, you know, it often requires spending some ad dollars on it. So there's an ad expense in addition to your promotional discount expense on it. And, you know, it requires reach. Um, that's one of the nice things about Prime Day, right, is Prime Day, Prime just drives a bunch of extra traffic so you don't have to worry as much about driving your own reach. You still have to spend for ads on Amazon, right? But, but yeah, it, it just, it, if you're trying to get new customers, you're not only hitting your margin with a discount, but you're hitting your margin with an acquisition cost because you're paying for that, a, a reach advertising cost or promotional cost. Um, or you're getting some PR somehow, or you're doing some other means, but you're finding some way to get reach on that. And that's often what I find gets ignored. People will say, well, I can work in a 20% discount and I can do this at break even. And then there's, well, how are you going to tell, how are people going to find out about your offer that are new customers? Cause you've left nothing in, well, you know, and then it becomes, well, I don't, I can't, I can't spend on ads and I also run this discount cause I'm not profitable. It's like, well, that's, that's the way it's going to work. Right. Yeah. Um, is you're going to have to spend behind that offer. Otherwise people don't know about it. And if people don't, if new customers who don't buy your brand don't know about it, the only people who are going to see it are going to be your current customers who are just going to stumble across it as they were coming in to buy and they were going to buy at full price. And so, you know, new customer tactics are expensive. And that's why Prime Day is kind of nice and Black Friday is kind of nice for that because you find a lot of new people because they're just out shopping. But, you know, it's usually ads plus discount. And the reality, and, we, and, and again, this is going to seem remedial for some folks, but, but we have conversations all the time where this is kind of the aha, that that first sale off of a kind of a discount to a new customer, you're usually losing money on that. And the game there is, I'm going to lose, I'm going to invest in those sales. I'm going to pick up a bunch of new customers. And then where you make your money is how many of those convert, right? How many of those become mm-hmm. repeat customers and the repeats are where you make your profit. 
And in that, what, what, what I always try and coach is, Hey, it's not just what's your initial promotion. What's your follow-up plan with those customers? Like, you know, what, what's the follow-up again? If it's on Amazon, it's, it was harder until recently because now you have repeat customer tactics you can use on Amazon. But if it's on your own sites on Shopify, well, what's your follow-up flow to try and, you know, I got, I got a thousand new customers who bought at a 25% discount. Like what's your follow-up flow to get them to buy again down the line? Yeah. And, and how many times do you think they might buy a year and just run the math out? Like how long do you think it will take to pay this back out? Can I get 20% of them to buy a second time at full price? Can I get them to buy two times in the next year? You, get, you should go in kind of knowing what kind of math it would take to make the promotion work for you. Um, yeah, yeah. And I think that's it's hard what, math. It's not easy. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's one of the things like us being a little hesitant to to recommend, you know, Prime Day strategies is on Amazon is that you have no, really up until very recently, haven't had any control over trying to market to your repeat or to your uh, existing customers, right? So yes, you're just you were just hoping, right? Yeah, exactly. You're doing on faith, like, hey, we're gonna have faith that we can get repeat customers. We're not gonna be able to measure it, so we're not gonna know. We're just gonna try and trust that we'll get repeats, and that's a hard. That's two partners of ours that are very dollar conscious, and they're trying to kind of build their way up. That's a hard sell, and and you know it's an uncomfortable sell on that too. Yeah, and I think the uh, the typical client that if you're looking at this going, oh, we're just going to, we'll make it up on the back end. Okay. Well, I'd like to have some sort of effort that I can put forth towards m- making that actually happen and not just hoping that seems like a, yeah. It, which is why, you know, discounting and, and promotional strategies around other events and through your Shopify store or web store, it makes so much more sense to us. And not only mm-hmm. getting that additional margin because you're not paying Amazon the 15%, but you also have retargeting audiences on, you know, Facebook. You have email campaigns and things like that that can help get people back through the door uh, to to try to get that second purchase as yeah. And as we should cover too what's the what's your level of discount that you need to get there too, because that's that always moves. So you know, back back in the dinosaur days when I was getting my MBA way back in the day, um, <laughs> I had a I had the good fortune of having a one of my professors was known as like the expert in the field for price promotions, uh, Dr. Lee McAllister out of University of Texas. Uh, and, and one of the famous things she got known for was saying, hey, this is a promotion, price promotion is like a drug. Was, she was the first one to kind of do the studies on that and say, hey, sometimes you kind of get addicted to it and you didn't mean to and you can't get out of the trap. Uh, and that's what she got famous for. But the other thing that, she, that was controversial that she put out there was, hey, you know, Hey, five uh, percent price discounts don't work anymore. People become mm-hmm. numb to those. There's too much noise. It's now it's at least ten, and it's moving towards fifteen percent is kind of the threshold before you can get consumer attention. And the reason I bring that up is that was in the the uh, early nineties. Um, but <laughs> but that's changed too because right now we see unless you go twenty percent or more, you don't like it doesn't even register below 20 it doesn't really cause a dent it doesn't change behavior mm-hmm. because you see progressively deeper and deeper discounts from people and you know it's kind of funny revisiting that of like the news there was was because she would work with big companies on the side and consult with them and they'd be like what do you mean our 10 percent discounts not affect our five percent discounts not effective there used to yep. be a lot of five percent discounts you know and they would work and now it's like now we got to do 10 what do you mean in the yep. next in the 2000s we might have to do 15 percent and now it's really 20 is what we find before you make an impact on things. Um, yeah, otherwise, you just kind of, it's, it's lost in the noise. Yeah, that's one of the things I know, uh, man, going back several years now, but Ezra Firestone and the boom by Cindy Joseph, uh, some of the stuff that I've seen from him, and I don't know why, but it doesn't seem to be as uh, prevalent or popular in the guru space this year, or more recently, I could be wrong on that, but you know, they do 10% off. That's all they'd ever do. and so. Yes. They sell everything at full retail price except for a few times a year. And it's like, well, it's 10% off. And I think over the years, people have realized that that's as deep as they're going to go on a discount. And that's their promotional strategy. Yeah. And they've done great things to build a loyal base. And then they've trained them to say, hey, this is this. So when we go 10%, it's special. Mm-hmm. Um, for most products, they haven't built, they haven't taken the care to build up that kind of, they don't have the loyalty that Cindy Joseph products have either. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and they're competing in a crowded space. And, you know, if you're just going on price and you haven't done the things to build up that loyalty, then it's, then, yeah, then you're kind of stuck. Um, you got to go deeper to get it. If you're using price promotion to get attention, then you got to go deeper sometimes. And it hurts. Yeah. And, and this, is, this is why when you talk about new customer acquisition, one of the things that I love is the product development and creating products or a product mix or rolling out of some uh, bundle or something that is new or different that helps you acquire a you know n- new customer. So maybe it's uh, bundling uh, some stuff that you've already sold with some new product or whole new bundle uh, of entirely new products. And this does a couple of things. I mean, first of all, it is a different mix that maybe people haven't seen before. So it is has that sort of newness, special factor. Oh, they haven't done this before. I haven't seen this before. So that's pretty neat. And I think also, too, it, it changes the economics of the purchase, right? So if you have three separate purchases of you know $25 and you list those all those three products together for you know, you know, $55 or something like that. You've, you've effectively given people almost a 30% discount, but the reality is you maybe can change your packaging. You can change your shipping, your logistics to reduce your costs on those so that you're actually making maybe a better margin on those that again, you're, it's you, you're using it for new customer acquisition. You're sort of satisfying that uh, drug kick of the discount that people need to see that need to be 20% or more. Yeah. And it's it's really not hurting your margin. So I think in most cases, I would love to find ways to be creative around the discounts to make it appear to the customer that they are getting a, a much better deal and without having to sacrifice the overall margin for for the brand. Cause although you need to be careful there because you can get if you get too cute there, you can get caught and yeah. it can seem dishonest. Like if you say, hey, this is because, and there were a lot of things, there was a lot of the conversation, if you go to like the the Reddit forums on Prime Day, a lot of the, well, they're saying this thing is 30% off, but they just raised the yeah. price right before Prime yes. Day, right? And you see, a, whether that's true or not, that's kind of a common customer perception. So launching a, hey, here's a new customer package that's 30% off, and it really is just 30%, you raised it by 30% and then cut it by, but consumers are getting wise to that, and it's harder to fool. So you yeah. got to be careful there because you don't want to lose trust, right? But to yeah. your point on that, for new products, what we'll often do is, if if there's if it's a limited product line, we'll and then you just take your smallest product and make a discount on that as a trial offer. So you're trying to de-risk as much as you can. For a new customer, they're willing to tolerate a lot less risk than a repeat customer is because uh, they don't know the product yet. So one way to de-risk is by hey, here's a, here's a here's our smallest version of the product, our cheapest version of it. We're going to discount that, um, and. Yeah, that's not the most margin profitable one, but it's the easiest one to get them in the door and easiest one to reduce risk on. The other thing that we'll frequently do, and a lot of times are when we have something that has a lot of different scents or flavors, for example, um, we'll bundle a variety pack up together because a variety pack is a much lower risk way to buy for a new customer than just buying one scent. Like, our, again, grown-ass man company bars. Like the, the, Our best sellers by far are the variety packs of bars. Uh, and that's for new customers. And that's because they can do the, you know, I don't, did I, did I choose the wrong scent? Did I choose the right scent? Well, I can just try them all, right? I'll, I'm going to find something I like in there. And that's, you've just de-risked it a lot in their heads and made it easier to buy. So you can do things like that for new customers too. Create a special bundle where you've de-risked the purchase decision. There's going to be something in there they like, right? For re- for repeats, because we should switch to that a little bit. Oftentimes for that, that's a, Okay, you've tried like our variety three pack. Well, you like this one the best. We're going to offer you to get you to come back. Hey, here's a special deal on a six pack of this. Like here's a large pack size, but you can choose the scent you like the most or the variety you like the most and go deep on it. And that's a great, that ends up being a pretty good repeat tactic at that point. So it's different. You're looking at pricing and package configuration differently for a repeat user than a, than a uh, new trial user. But you, you know, you don't just assume your repeats are going to come back. You're, you're cheap. And we should also talk about repeats. The big difference on repeats, too, is your cost to reach is much lower. Mm-hmm. Your cost to reach is you're sending them out an email. You're not, you're not advertising to them. So that's why they become very profitable. And you can afford uh, to discount to them because you're not spending an acquisition anymore. You're just trying to get them back in. Um, you ideally want to get them back in at full price. 
But and that's why we'll set up a lot of things. And this is fairly standard of, hey, this person bought, but they bought once or they bought multiple times, but they haven't bought in X amount of time. And that should be your trigger for a repeat offer. And you're not going big holidays on that. You're going, you're just timing on the customer's behavior at that point, not on the holidays. But you target around that and you try and build that, you, you know, it's worth it to try and get them in the habit of repeat purchasing your product. And it's worth it to, there's a lot of times people value a new user highly because they give them all the discounts for a new trial and then give nothing to the repeat users. Yeah. And your repeat users are the ones who actually support your business and help you make money putting value on them, I think often gets ignored and you should be doing that. Yes. Yeah. And I, I think the, the way that I like thinking about this and maybe I, it's a poor way of thinking about it, but it is, okay, how do we sort of wean them off any sort of discount or because on an e-commerce store, very common pop-up for sign up for email, get 10% off or I've seen some 15% off on those, right? Yeah. If they are, if you're first or if your first purchase is at a discount and your second one is at a discount and your third one is at a discount, like how, how do you, like what are the messaging that you have to them to be like, we just would love to give you, get you back in the door at a full, uh, yeah. full price. Now, maybe that's, I, I don't know, maybe that's part of your strategy is that, Hey, we're just going to keep people in and, 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 uh, we're just going to plan on having a 10% discount on pretty much everything that we sell. So if we have a, full retail purchase that that's all just bonus for us. But I, I've specifically set up email campaigns and I even do a little bit of advertising. I, in, uh, in terms of Facebook, you know, you can advertise to people who are, have made a purchase in the last 30 days or 60 days mm -hmm. and things like that, depending on audience sizes, but those things can be effective as well, but definitely in a way of, okay, how do we get them to make a second purchase? get them to yeah. do some sort of activity to get back in the door. And, and I just say, I'm not advocating are. every purchase a sale, right? Cause so it's, you want to get the repeat. That's why looking at your, what's your purchase pattern is important. Mm -hmm. So give them a chance to come buy it back and buy it full price. That's what you want to do after a certain point. Okay. You know, they should have bought again by now. They haven't. Then it's worth spending some money to get them back in. Um, but most of the stores like the, the stores I'm talking about that we manage, most of the sales happen at full price. And then it's a matter of, okay, how do we tactically go after the ones who seem like they've drifted, who aren't coming back? And how do you target a message to them? Uh, and at that point, it's not, to me, it's not a, hey, we're getting you a habit of every time you buy, you're on sale. We're just getting you a habit of buying from us because you've stopped that habit. And mm -hmm. we need you to buy from us first and eventually want to get you in the habit of buying mostly at full price. But if you've drifted off or you, you know, we know our product is a three month purchase, pri purchase cycle usually. Or it's you you buy it, then you're gonna buy it, you're gonna buy again in three months, and it's been four or five months. Okay, now it's time to go after you. We get, we have to incent you to get you back in. Um mm -hmm. and it's worth it for us to do that because even if we're giving you that percentage off, that's a lesser percent of the profit margin for the product that we would send spend on ads trying to get a new customer in. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, let's see here. What else? I think, you know, well, we talked yeah, about... We're running long, so we should talk about some other things. Like you can do, we use bundles a lot. We'll just hit these really quickly, right? We use bundles a lot to increase the average order size. Uh, you can bundle things up creatively, and that's a great way to increase the average order size. And because it's e-commerce we're talking about here and everything everything has shipping costs, if you bundle products, you can often offer a better price on a bundle than buying those products individually and still make more margin. And so bundling products up creatively and offering that to customers with that way to, to Andy's point earlier, you can sell something to them. That's you're not saying it's discounted, but you're getting them a deal and you're actually making more money on it. So we use a lot of bundling to increase order size and to entice people back in without always being on discounting. And that's, you know, it depends on your product lineup, but bundling effectively to kind of get people interested, get them back in, get them a deal without, without, showing discount all the time is a really valuable tactic on that. Uh, we do, we have some people who will do the buy a certain amount to get free shipping, although we generally advocate you should be doing free shipping regardless if you can. Um, but that can be a way to move up order time. We always preach that you should do things in a time sensitive way. So this order is good for this. Creating urgency is important in promotion. So there is a strategy behind going, like when we do new customer acquisition, it's usually let's go deep and let's go for a short window as opposed to always having a 10% discount, it's better to go 30% for a week 
and then stop. And you don't go again for another three months, maybe. Uh, mm-hmm. But those are generally more effective on things. And there's And there's also things, and we've done some things with like there's student targets you can have, there's military, you can create special discounts for special targets. And there's, and I just got an email from the, uh, one of the military stores saying, Hey, we'd love if you listed our product on here. We think we could help you sell a lot of stuff. So we'll follow up on that later today. But, um, but there are special targets where you can give special rates to that'll give you, that'll get you some pretty guaranteed flow through because there's not a lot of things on the shelves in those products, uh, in, in the virtual shelves on those online stores. But let's talk then. So if you're doing all this, then how does this tie back into your holiday promotion strategy? So how would you tie this back into your, and, and you talked earlier in the, when we were talking before this around a four peak strategy, which is often popular to have one big kind of one big promotion a quarter um, that works for a lot of brands, doesn't work for all of them, but that's not a bad framework to start with. Um, but those are the big promotional holidays. So how, uh, to me, I don't look at those as I'm getting my repeat customers back. I'm going to catch some of the net, right? I'm going to go fishing in the big uh, fishing on prime day. I'm going to go fishing on black Friday. And I'm going to get some repeat customers, but my goal is not repeat customers on those. Usually my goal is usually new, but mm-hmm. I, are you approaching it differently? Are you looking at that differently on it? No, I, I would, I think it, it a little bit depends on what the peaks are. You know, we talk about, if we're talking about, uh, basically the, the four peaks, if you're not familiar is, uh, you want to create four different sales events throughout the year so that you're not so heavily reliant on a single big day. You're not just relying on prime day or you're not reliant on, you know, holiday or, or whatever, but you're creating different events that help you acquire traffic, maybe more effectively or efficiently, which is, you know, prime day is, is a great example that, you know, Amazon manufactured that to create a peak in sales. And, um, but I, I think, you know, to me, it's it's a seeing how those different events fit together, and understanding back to you know what is it that we have in terms of goals for maybe new customer acquisition for the year. What is our goal for repeat dollars, and then really just sort of figuring out backing into you know where we're at for the year and how things perform, and then adjusting from there. Because like I mentioned earlier on the you know. A client that we have good new customer acquisition growth and things are looking good there, but the repeat customers aren't as strong as as maybe what we'd like. You know, taking those uh, events, those peaks, and having them be more focused on repeat customers than new customers is a season by season tactic, right? So mm-hmm. I think that's that's kind of my approach. Is that I, I don't know that you we could say like. Maybe this is what we have in the plan and what we're thinking is what we would like to happen throughout the year, but then being able to be agile enough to to make some changes if we're if we're doing really well in one area or another that we don't have to give a discount to acquire, you know, more new customers or uh, you know, get more repeat oh, yeah. customers. Because the end is to build the habits, right? So you're not you're not discounting to get the purchase. It's also how do you get to the part where it's a habit? So how do you build people mm-hmm. up to that is important yep. on there. And so, yeah, just yep. out, I think the, the old Lee McAllister quote about it, it's, you know, promotion, price promotions can be like a drug. And then once you get on, once you get addicted, it's really hard to get off. You know, that's part of what the four peaks does is, Hey, you're only, only going to go deep four times a year. So you're not going to get in the habit of always having this on and always having to I mean, at most, it. right. At most, yeah. right. Like your, mm-hmm. your sales activity may not include any, like if you're a, a mother's day, or Father's Day heavy product, you maybe you do some discounting for it, but maybe that's your time to be like, yeah. hey, people are gonna buy this stuff. You know, they have to buy it for whatever reason, graduation, whatever. Why would we put our sell, our product on sale at this time of the year when people have to buy it? So maybe yeah, but people don't have to buy yours though. They're gonna buy something. So the question is, do you want to use that? Do you want to or not use that? Do you want to want to rise with the tide? Right? People are gonna buy more of your product type during say Mother's Day. So you're just going to keep your normal price. You're going to get a lift. Or do you want to say, that's our time to go capture a bunch of new customers. We're going to go deep and try and just, we're going to, we're going to forego the profit. We're going to invest some in acquisition. And then we're going to try and follow up with them to get them to repeat again later this year and make it. So it's a, it's a gamble, right? It's what strategy do you want to take on that? Mm -hmm. And how deep do you want to go? Yep. 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 
So what do you think, Tim? Any any closing remarks here, I think, as we're we're kind of winding well, mine, down? Mine is that what we started with a little bit, that people get really focused on these, you know, even the companies that do the four peaks, right? Or or you're you're not thinking in terms of official four peaks, but you're thinking, okay, I gotta do Prime Day, I gotta do Black Friday, I gotta do some spring promotion, maybe I do something during Christmas, right before Christmas, um, in the kind of the December kind of peak sales. Those are generally going to be new, new customer oriented. You may get your current customers to buy more frequently. That could also be in there. But you're really your main purpose on doing those is those are times I can capture new customers. And so, I think everybody gets really focused on these holidays. But I think you also got to think through: Do you want a strategy to build repeat? Because repeat's not going to be built around holidays necessarily. Repeats you can augment it, but. But your core repeat strategy is often built something else that's more of an ongoing, but it's more direct. You're not broadcasting an offer, but you're you're trying to identify which customers you might need to put a little extra incentive to come back in and trying to keep them coming back in. So, you know, I think if you just focus holidays, I think, and I think a lot of people do, I think you miss the other parts of what what you're trying to do with the business and you're missing the building repeats. And that's that's true among most things, like advertising is mostly focused on new customers, not repeats. Um, but your profit comes from your repeats and take care of your current customers. Um, making sure you're doing that is always really critical. And it's always mm-hmm. the thing that people think about last. And I think sometimes it needs to be what you think about first. Um, but it's the part that tends to get ignored when people talk about this. So I just wanted to, in the closing here, bring that back up about worry about your current customers too. Don't assume, I think too many people assume they're just going to come back. Mm-hmm. And that is really not the case you have to nurture your current customer base. So don't don't neglect them while you're off chasing new customers, which you need to do too, right? But don't yep. neglect the people who are already already buying your product. Yep, yep. I love it. I love it. So good stuff. I hope it's been helpful for you, the listener. And if you have questions or comments or want to dive into this stuff more, you know, reach out, check us out. We'd uh, love to hear from you. And so, uh, Tim, thank you so much for you uh, your insights and your experience on this. Always appreciate that. And thank you to you, the listener. We, we really appreciate you. Hopefully you've enjoyed this. Push that like, follow, subscribe button on your podcast platform of choice. And we will catch you again next time. Mm-hmm.